Cinderella story aimed at inspiring hope. This is what I'm liking. I never wake up and have no clue what kind of day it's going to be. I don't have to worry for even a second. Thanks to Noodles the Pug, maybe the most popular canine on TikTok. Every morning, this 13-year-old pug's owner wakes him up to see if it's a bones or no bones type of day. Now, if Noodle decides to stand, it's a bones day. Well, go ahead. Take on the world. If it's a no bones day, ooh, getting out of bed might not be too good an idea. <laughs> but let's, uh, let's check out one of Noodle's daily updates. Take a look. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to yet another round of No Bones, the game where we find out if my 13-year-old pug woke up with bones. And in addition, we find out what kind of day we're going to have. Now, I think it's pushing it to think we'll get a third Bones Day in a row. (laughs) Sure enough, down he goes. Okay. All right, we have Noodles along with the owner, Jonathan, on the line, who watches on NBC4 New York. Jonathan, how are you? How did uh, how did all of this how did this all start? So no bones all started in college when my my best friend introduced it to us. If she had a long day or didn't want to go out, she would just kind of collapse and say, "Oh my bones! I don't have bones!" And we, you know, "Oh my gosh, she doesn't have bones!" So we it was just a fun little game. And then six years later, I adopted this dog, and um, we realized very quickly that he was a pro at this game as well if it was you know like 11 o'clock in the morning and he hadn't go out yet you know the tank is full man you gotta go i would go and try and wake him up and see if he was ready to go out i'd sit him up and he would just flop down and we learned very early on that if noodle didn't want to wake up or go anywhere he was not going to do it (laughs) right that's that's an american dog now you say uh now you say a no bones day it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a bad day, right? It's not always a bad day, right? Oh, no, not no bad days. And I definitely contributed to that false narrative, and I'm looking to change it now. So right. a no-bones day really just means you've got to be kind to yourself. You've got right. to implement some self-care, take a bath, stay in bed, wear sweatpants, you know, no bones. you got no bones. Right, but then right. a bones day is a day where you've got to, you know, you've got to go after that goal of yours or, you know, people feel ambitious or like I've been putting this off and today's the day to do it. So it's taken on a life of its own and it's just incredible. (laughs) Well, it's it's been an inspiration for all of us. Thank you, Jonathan. We're liking your post right now. Thanks a lot. That's not all. Kelly's season-long partner, Pilot Patton, the go-to pen of the Kelly Clarkson Show, likes to celebrate those who create fearlessly, just like you. So they'll be using their friction, erasable pen to write you a check for $1,000. There you go, my friend. And the dog looks thrilled. Oh, my God. So is today a Bones Day or a No Bones Day? Uh, That's one of the viral videos on TikTok that has made national television. A pug dog gets to determine if the day is going to be a great day, if when his owner wakes him up, he gets up, or it's a No Bones Day and he just falls back asleep or falls back down in his bed. Today is going to be a Bones kind of day. And my name is Andrea Smith. I have the privilege of 
being the pastor of West Church, and we are glad that you are checking us out, whether it is watching live stream or listening to our podcast or on demand. We are so grateful that you have chosen to spend a few minutes with West Church Lake Norman. If you are new here to the West Church community, we invite you to let us know. You can text the word welcome to the number that you see on your screen, or I'll read it in just a second if you want to get your cell phones ready. But we'd love to hear from you, to know that you're worshiping with us and checking us out. We can send a gift to you, and then you can choose whether you opt in to receive our communication or not. Text the word welcome to the number 704 343-8955-704-343-8955 and let us know that you are here. We are in the middle of a message series called Surviving the Dog Days of Christmas. What can we learn about uh, the nature of God from our furry friends? And last week, we talked about fear and protection and that God offers us protection through our fears. And today, we are going to talk about another lesson that we can learn from our furry friends. And it's a universal lesson for all. So I'm really excited to share that with you uh, as you worship with us. Uh, Thanks for joining in. So this summer when uh, Tom was training for his triathlon is when I actually got the idea for this message series. And I was down at the lake and he was swimming and I'd walked down there with Axel, our co-adopted German Shepherd rescue dog. And uh, I'd didn't have Axel's life jacket on him. He is afraid of the water. And so I had no intentions. I was just going to walk down and and wave at him and let him know that I was there and then uh, go on back up to the house. And so as we were walking down there, uh, I'm going to show you a video in just a second of what happened. I was shocked. Now, Axel is this like giant German shepherd, and he is afraid of his own shadow. Uh, He had a great child a lady rescued him from uh, a really, really bad situation when he was a puppy, but uh, he, he's been afraid of everything. Like if you were worshiping with us back when we first got him, I told you he was afraid to get in my car. I mean, he literally is just afraid of everything. So all of a sudden this day, when I'd walked down on the dock, Axel did something very unexpected. And as he was doing his very uh, dog thing, I thought, oh my, gosh, that's like God. And that's like how God is with us. I want you to take a look at this video. So here we are down on the dock and you see that Axel like all of a sudden starts walking around. So I thought, well, I'm going to grab my camera and see what he's going to do. Because he is typically... um, 
not predictable. And so Tom's like out there swimming in the cove. And then all of a sudden, the dog who is afraid of everything takes off. He goes up the dock. Now, we've never been to the neighbor's house on their dock with Axel. We've never even been out of the yard with Axel, uh, except to walk him on the street. So all of a sudden, he goes over to the neighbor's dock. And since Tom's like out swimming in the cove, Axel is fascinated with where he is. There for a second, I thought, oh my gosh, he's going to jump in the water and that's not going to go well. Like we tried to get him in the lake one time this summer and it was a complete debacle and he's a very large dog. So neither of us could get him out of the lake easily. And I'm like calling for him to come back. He looks at me, he looks at Tom and the only time that he would turn around and come back to me was when Tom began swimming back to our dock. And then Axel decided, oh, I'm going to go check him out. I want to be there when he gets home. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. That's the lesson that I learned from Axel about the nature of God. Axel loves Tom. When we adopted him, I really wanted him to imprint with me uh, equally, but I have to be honest, he cares about Tom and loves Tom infinitely more than he loves me. And Axel, the dog who is afraid of everything, broke through his fear barriers to go follow Tom that day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's how God is. God loves us so much that God breaks through all things to show us how much God loves us. Do you have anything in your life right now that needs broken through for you to feel love? Or do you know of anyone wrestling with something in their lives that needs to be broken through, walls that need to be broken down? so that they can experience love. I have to confess, I mean, it really made my heart warm to see Axel chase Tom up and down the cove. He wasn't afraid anymore. In fact, I really did think he was going to jump in the water to go after him. That's how much he loved him. And that's the message of the Christmas story. God breaks through all things to show us how much God loves us. So I want to give you just a tiny little bit of history this morning, and, and hopefully it will help us see the Hebrew scriptures and the Old Testament in a different way than perhaps maybe we have in the past. Maybe we'll see it holistically. It is the story of the Israelite people. Like we start in Genesis, and, and we read about creation, and we're all created in the image of God, and, and we read about the fallen nature of humanity and uh, the fact that like sin does exist. We have free will. We have the ability to make choices. And so those choices permeate our entire lives, just like they did for the Israelite people. So the Israelite people find themselves in the book of Exodus. They are slaves. They're held captive by this guy named Pharaoh. And one of the uh, 
a very uh, who thought he was fearful men ended up being called by God Moses and God chose him even though he had done some pretty crappy things he'd killed a guy in his life God called Moses to lead the people out of slavery and so uh, it's a long story and this is a very condensed version but Moses does what God calls him to do he and his brother and his sister they lead the people out of captivity there's some you know forward movement and forward momentum and then some uh, bad circumstances that happen but ultimately they end up freed and then they spend some time in the wilderness and they are waiting on God and that's another message that I want us to hold on to this morning that sometimes in our lives and in our journeys we find ourselves in these seasons of waiting So the Israelite people, they're waiting in the wilderness and and they're waiting to get to the promised land, the land that had been promised to their uh, forefather Abraham that his tribes were going to inhabit all the land. And so they're waiting and while they're waiting, they become afraid, they become frustrated and angry and they start to doubt God. Last week we talked about fears and we talked about the fact that fears... uh, just consume us sometimes. And then our fears are manifest with our anger and our frustration with others and situations. And the same thing happened with the Israelite people when they were afraid, they got angry. They got angry at Moses and they're like, how dare you lead us out here in the middle of this mess and and now we don't have enough to eat and we're going to die out here. In fact, they were so frustrated that they decided that they would rather go back to being slaves and go back to being in captivity than stay there in the season of waiting. One of the things that's important for us to remember, though, is that God does some of God's best work while we're waiting. So the people of Israel, while they were waiting, God showed God's self to them. God provided for them food and drink. God gave them all that they needed. Maybe not all that they wanted, but all that they needed. So finally, they enter into the promised land. Now, the story doesn't end there. Like, when they get to the promised land, even that's not enough. Like, they're content only for a short time, and then they're like, you know, we we need a governing body. We need a king. And God's like, I'm God. You're the, I'm the only God you need. You don't need any other idols. You don't need any other, uh, like, hierarchy. Just trust me. Just follow me. I am God. I love you. And all you need to do is love me and love one another and and it's going to be fine but the Israelite people they wanted to be like all the other kingdoms and they wanted a king so they kept getting really frustrated with the priest and the religious leaders that were leading them and they were complaining and angry and so finally uh, the priest plead with God and they're like you know they're just so disgruntled They want their own government system. They want their own hierarchy. And and they need a person here to lead them. So God's like, okay, fine. If they're not going to understand that I am enough, I'll give them a judge. 
And so then we find in the history of the Israelite people that they have judges that rule over them and and give them guidance and direction. And once again, they're okay for just a little while. And then their human nature kicks in and they're not satisfied. They get disgruntled again and they start complaining and and they end up being taken captive by other countries and uh, taken out of their homes, removed from their land. And so the pleas continue to God. A judge is not enough. A judge is not going to help us. We need a king. God's like, that's a really bad idea because kings are human and everybody has choices. And whereas you might get one good king, then you might get some kings that are not so good. You might find yourselves more oppressed than you already are. I really think if you just get back to loving me and loving one another, that will be what you need. But the people wouldn't listen. They kept in their anger and in their fear pleading to God, we need a king. So finally God gives them a king, and then like all kings and kingdoms, you know, the heirs start taking over, and and you can read the history of the Israelite people. They have periods of safety and preservation and calmness, and then another government will come, and their armies will take them over, and then they uh, are removed from their land, and, and this just goes back and forth over and over again. The people would plead to God, where are you? Why are you not providing safety for us from our enemies? God would send and empower prophets to tell the people, look, you're not alone. Hold fast and tight to what you know to be true, that I am your God and I will deliver you. And you read these stories throughout the books of like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah and Habakkuk. And we see that the people just are in this cycle. They'll find some safety and protection for a little while and then they're not content or something else happens in life. And when it does When bad things happen, when suffering happens, they immediately turn their back on God and and think, why have you left me here to be in this place? The story of the Israelite people is a lot like our story today. We'll be clipping along in life and it's okay and it's good and then, you know, something happens that we didn't desire or some hurdle is in our path and we find ourselves facing it and it's like, God, where are you? So we're not doing anything different or anything new that God's not aware of. It's one of the beautiful things about God is God is so big and so vast that God allows our wrestling and allows our questions. It's one of the powerful things that we see in the story of the Israelite people that no matter how frustrated they got with God, God would get frustrated back. But at the end of the day, God broke down all barriers and conquered all of their fears to show them how much God loved them. 
And that answer came several hundred years after they felt like they didn't hear from God anymore. And the answer came in the most non-assuming way. Maybe, probably, you've heard the story. You know, a tiny baby born in an obscure place and in an obscure way. But that baby was the way that God broke through the fears of the people and showed them the way. The way that God did that is defined as love. Everybody wants to be loved, right? Think back to the first crush you had on someone Think about how you felt like little butterflies in your stomach and giddiness, happiness, excitement. Love is all of those things, but it's also so much more. Love is the steadiness and it's a constancy. Love is consistent. And God shows that through the birth of that tiny baby in a garage or cave in the town of Bethlehem. And the message that came then was to show thousands of years of fear and anger Hey, guess what? I didn't forget you. And I love you so much that I have always been present with you. And I'll do anything to show you how much I love you and how much you don't have to be afraid. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to reveal to you my nature Because you're not able to see me in human form because I'm not a human. Let me show you who I am through my son who will embody me and grow in my way and then show you what it means to have life, to have life at its fullest and to have life in me. And that's what happened. I mean, Jesus started that life and lived that life. And we have the benefit of seeing what that life really looked like a couple of thousand years later. A scripture verse that I want to share with you this morning is taken from the book of 1 John. It actually is part of the Christmas story because it gives us insight and meaning to what happened several years before. It's written by this guy named John, and we believe that he would have been with Jesus, impacted by him, and imprinted by his teachings and the way that he lived his life. We believe that John would have been privy to the lessons that Jesus taught about what it means to love and to fully live and to be at one with God. 
When John writes these words in 1 John, it's really important for us to remember when he's writing them. Scholars say that he wrote these words near the end of his life, and we know that those that were closest to him had been persecuted, killed for their faith in this person named Jesus of Nazareth that they followed and that they learned from. After Jesus died and resurrected and came and said, look, I want you to go into all the world, teaching them and telling them about who I am. They did it. They didn't want the movement to end. And so they went and they boldly lived. And it cost them their lives. So when John is writing this, he's writing to the remaining people that are a part of this movement, the way. And he is writing to them, they're dispersed all throughout Rome. They're facing their own persecution and he wants the movement to stay alive. So he's trying to take all of their history as the Israelite people those thousands of years of stories that have been carried on from generation to generation about their persecution and their time in the wilderness. He's trying to take all of their history and then in their current time of persecution and sadness, give them hope. And that same hope is here for us today. It's always there for us, and it breaks down all walls and all barriers for us to find our way. Hear these words from 1 John. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other, since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. And the person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God. Because God is love. You can't know God if you do not know love. And this is how God showed God's love for all of us. God sent God's Son into the world so that we may live through him. That's the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that God loved us and sent us Jesus. It cleared away all of the damage that we've done to our relationship with God. God is love. No one's seen God ever. But if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us and God's love becomes complete in us. God's perfect love. So it's important to remember that love breaks through all of our fears. I mean, just like Axel, he loves Tom so much that he could care less that he has never been uh, that close to the water, willingly, without us next to him, nor on that property. 
He was that willing to go chase him down. That's how much God loves us. And the other thing that's really powerful about that message is I want to show you one more little uh, video, a few seconds of it, of what happened a subsequent day that Tom was down swimming in the lake. So you see the dock at the far end of the screen with like the kayak standing up and my phenomenal videography skills? Axel is actually way down there. I was out kayaking this day while Tom was swimming and we had learned to put the life jacket on him. I'd come back to the dock from kayaking and I just assumed that Axel would be sitting on the dock waiting for me and I couldn't find him. So I looked at our first neighbor's dock and I'm like, oh my gosh, where is he at? He's not there. I got Tom's attention. I'm like, I can't find Axel. And at this point, Tom was like near that very, very, very far dock. Tom like waved to me and is like, Axel's way down there. I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, and this was not just a straight shot that Axel went on the lake line. I mean, he had to like go up through people's yards and then we're like, oh my gosh, what are the neighbors going to say? There's this huge German shepherd just running through their yard. You see Tom swimming. That's where Axel was. And regardless of where Tom would be, that would be where Axel would go. And then he would run from dock to dock to dock, going down in unchartered places, in unchartered ways, trying to make sure that he was always as close to Tom as he could possibly be. When I saw that happen, I'm like, okay, this reminds me of God. God wants to be with us as close as God possibly can be, and that's the lesson that I would like for us to learn in this Advent season, is that God is not out there. God's in here. God's in me, God is in you, God is in all people. Even if we define God differently, God rests and abides in all of humanity. And there is no distance that is too far for God to love us. There's no regrets that we have that are too big for God to love us. There is no place that we can go that we are not still included in God's love. What a beautiful message of the Advent and Christmas season. When we love each other in our normal lives, like we get on each other's nerves, right? You can think of the people that you love and, and you get frustrated with one another. We bicker, we quarrel, we argue. But at the end of the day, like we come back to this root fundamental love. That's what love is. It doesn't change it. It doesn't go away. We have this uh, bad 
habit of taking very human understandings of love and relationships and we might like kick it up a notch or two and then attribute that to God like think of how much we love someone and then we think okay well that's how much God loves us believe it or not there is no way that we can even fathom how much God loves us and there's no place that is so far away that we can remove ourselves from God's love And I hope you hear that message this Christmas season. And then just like John says, when we receive the love, we're also called to give it. It's why we do things like Ding Dong Ditch and Third Creek Mission. It's why we have that pay it forward calendar Yesterday, our mission leaders were texting uh, to how many folks we had left in the Ding Dong Ditch mission. And Third Creek Middle, one of the schools that we partner with, the school that does not have a PTO and a support system, like they asked if we would be willing to provide a lunch for the teachers the week before they get out on break. The teachers there are working really hard uh, Just in that school community alone, there are 10 to 15 homeless families that they're trying to make sure have Christmas. And so we, as a church, can do things like cook lunch for them to support them so they can support the kids. That's being God because that's being God's love. We get the promise, right? Like we get that God's love cast out all our fears and there's no fear in perfect love and there's nowhere that we can go that is too far away from God's love. But not everyone gets that. So as you go through the next three weeks leading up to Christmas, I invite us all to be mindful that in all of our ways, We exude love. God is love. God lives in us. And we're called to be that love for one another. I invite you to do that with me. Let us pray. Gracious God, you do call us to love one another, and we can see through history how you have pursued relentlessly your people You've let us make our own choices that have led us to difficult places. And even in those difficult places, you always showed up. You still do that today. You show up for us and you hold us all together. And you also call us to go and be that love. As we go into celebrating the Christmas season, May we be mindful about always showing that love. In Christ's name, amen. I do want to thank you. Like, it's amazing uh, that you adopted all the ding-dong ditch families. I think we have two teenagers left 
the Third Creek School, they do have really significant needs. I was shocked yesterday to learn that 10 to 15 families at that school are homeless. And so you, our digital worshiping community, you don't even have to be here in person to support that. You can do it through Amazon. Uh, All the details are on our website. But let's go be love. Wherever you are, wherever you live, let's go be God and love today. Go in peace.